Ever since the 16th century, when the church was canonizing a saint, a person would be appointed to be the skeptic, or argue against the potential saint. This person was known as the Devil's Advocate. Today I will play the part of the Devil's Advocate. I'm Nick Bortensky. Welcome to Devil's Advocate. I'm Kyle Hyman here with the Devil's Advocate, Nick Bortensky. Hello. Thanks for being here. Today, on our docket of things to discuss is the fact that seminarians are not priests. And the reason I say this and the reason I think we need to clarify is in an effort to encourage our seminarians and in our excitement for them answering a call or, or uh, looking into a call to be a priest, we will say things like, oh, so when are you going to be a priest? Assuming that they will become a priest, forgetting that the seminary is a time of discernment and that entering the seminary doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a priest. Yes, many people, most that go into the seminary do become priests, but part of the job of the seminary is to help the man with discernment to see if this is actually what God's calling him to, or if he just thought, huh. I want to give this a shot, or I, I feel like it. Maybe he was misdirected. Maybe he's called to something else. And so it's a, a time of discernment, not uh, if you enter seminary, then you'll become a priest, but you may become a priest. And it's all about doing God's will. And I think seminarians tend to do a really good job of this, probably more so than like people that are engaged, which is also hopefully a time of discernment and not just because you're engaged doesn't necessarily mean that you need to get married. Maybe you discern that that's not what you're called to during that time. No, I'm not, I'm not, 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 not reflecting anything fiance. about your okay, situation. But a lot of times if you ask a seminarian, when are you going to become a priest or when will you be ordained? He will say, God willing on this date, emphasizing the fact that it's all about God's will, not about my expectations, not about my will, not about some general usual timeline or expectations from somebody else, but ultimately this is God's will. And if it's his will to do it in three years or in five years or not at all, that's what I'm trying to find out. And so I think what can happen when we assume that somebody's going to become a priest and we treat them as such, we can put undue pressure on them to become a priest. And so if he's not called to be a priest, then he might be responding to a vocation that's not actually his call. And, and, and I don't think we want priests that we're not called to be priests. I think that's, that's going to be a lot of trouble. So that's the premise here. I think we can get the ball rolling with that. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, with this one, I think I'll come at the angle of just really trying to look from the outside in and figure out like, okay, so why does the Catholic Church do certain things that makes them not only like visually look so similar, but they do some of the same things within the parishes, you know, if you have a parish assignment during the summer. So it's difficult. So like, if you come at it from a secular side, you look at a seminarian and most of the time they're dressed pretty much the same as a priest. Obviously, they're not investments during the mass, but they're dressed very similarly when they wear the collar mm -hmm. and so forth. And 
so many people will go up to them and be like, hi, Father, how you doing? And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm seminarian. Right. And I think that can be confusing. And I think there's a couple different reasons that that happens. One is that they're trying out some of these different roles. They're getting more involved with the Mass so that they can learn more about it and also experience it more. And, and the closer they are as a server or whatever role they're playing in the Mass, the more they can kind of see, like, this is what the priest is doing. This is what I would be doing if this is what I'm called to. So I think it's good for them to kind of work their way up to getting more comfortable, you know, in that setting. Uh, the other thing, I'm not an expert in this, but I think that the, the clerics, it started out as a, a sign that you were studying for theology or whatever. And so the priest kind of adopted that. That might be wrong about that, but we've associated with the collar with a priest and it's not necessarily so some deacons will wear the collar obviously other churches sometimes wear collars for their pastors and stuff so just because somebody has a collar on doesn't necessarily mean that they're a priest and you can go to confession to them but it is a sign that they are somewhat of a religious authority uh, hopefully a catholic authority um might not always be the case but it can be confusing, but just because it's confusing doesn't mean that we should add to the confusion or jump to assumptions, especially when we know the person is a seminarian. We want to encourage him in his discernment and not pressure him to become a priest. Yeah, for sure. And it's just, it's very interesting to me still with that because uh, my cousin actually studied over in Rome. And apparently there's this myth or legend that if you walk in between two priests, you're, I think it's either curse or there's like, you're going to have bad luck or something like that. And so, and they couldn't tell the difference between a priest and a seminarian. And so them and the, him and his seminarian friends would always be walking around and people, if they were walking enough where somebody could fit in between them, a lot of people would start walking to the other side of the road to avoid them or things like that. And so they started just kind of doing that just to see what people would do. So that gets into another topic of superstition, yes, which we shouldn't fall victim to. No, we yeah. do not believe in superstitions. That might be a topic for another day. Yeah, that would be a good topic. I think we should do that sometime. I guess I'll go back to where you were talking about having them start to, you know, practice whether it's you know parts in the mass and so forth, and leading Bible studies and getting used to that parish life. So. I'm also even going to ask about, like, if you go into religious orders, mm -hmm. a lot of them have the same vestments as well. Like, if they're starting to go through the discernment process of an order, right. and then moving up to a brother, and then moving up to a father, a lot of them wear the same exact vestments there. Mm -hmm. Some have different variations, a different, slightly different color, or, you know, a different belt or something like that. But yeah, I, I'm thinking of, like, the, the CFRs, a brother dresses the exact same as a priest, but that's just their habit is to identify them as Franciscan brothers and not identifying them as priests. But this is, again, a, about recognizing that there's a difference. Uh, seminarians are discerning the priesthood and not uh, it's not just like a, a baby priest that will always grow into a full-size priest. <laughs> Not necessarily. I was going to say some priests still have that baby face. It's sometimes <laughs> tough to, and you can't even tell by age. That's right, the thing because right. you can go into the seminary pretty late in life or pretty early in life, and then some priests are very young, some priests are older. Like it's very difficult 
to identify that, even just by age. So here's the distinction. I'm not saying that you should be ashamed if you've accidentally thought somebody was a priest and they weren't. Accidental priestly identification, not a problem. But when you know somebody is a seminarian, for us to start thinking in the mode of this is somebody that's discerning the priesthood, I need to pray for their discernment and not assume that they're going to become a priest, but encourage them that no matter what path God has for them, that that's what they're going to find the most fulfilling and, the, and where they're going to find the most joy. I 100% agree. I actually had a uh, friend I grew up with. He was, in the sem- he was in his sixth year of seminary, fifth year of seminary. He discerned out, and he was engaged, I think, four months later. Uh-huh. So, I mean— that can come from our prayers. We can continue to help them figure out if this is where God is calling them to be. I mean, they felt that initial call, and now this the years that they're in seminary is really discerning, okay, is this 100% it? Is this 100% where you're calling me to be God? And that's why that process is so long and so rigorous. I mean, you go through so much through those programs. Like, that whole process is pretty intense. You yeah. learn a lot, and... And that's the point. Like, you always kind of want to be going through that. And that's why, like, when you're going through the dating process and then the engagement process, the church has ways of making sure that you guys are compatible and Mm -hmm. making sure that you fully thought this through. And, like, yes, we want to get married. So you mentioned your friend. We had James Baxter on a while back. People can check out episode 464. So if you go to kylehyman.com slash show. 464, James Baxter talked about leaving the seminary after being in there a long time and going from being put on a pedestal and everybody really looking up to him and he's our hero that he's from our parish and he's going into the seminary, he's going to become a priest, to now nobody wanted to talk to him because they saw that as a failure, as if somebody's leaving the priesthood because there's these false expectations of what seminary was and what that means. And so I think if we can have a more healthy outlook on what seminary is, who our seminarians are, what they're doing, what the role of the seminary is, I think that's going to help them in their discernment. We're going to get better priests if we're not pressuring people to becoming priests. In the same way, you don't want to pressure somebody into getting married to somebody that they're not called to marry. That's just going to lead to disaster. But you want to encourage that discernment to to follow God's will and to support our seminarians. And if, if, and when they do leave the seminary to continue to support them and not to say like, okay, now forget about you. Let me find the next seminary that I can, you know, send cards to or send cookies to, but look, Hey, you have found that God's calling you to something different. How can I support you in what you're doing now? I think it's going to be a much healthier thing for the church, much healthier thing for the men and I think if there's not that that pressure going into seminary or coming out of seminary, it's just going to be a, a much smoother transition in and out. Unfortunately, I have to agree with that. So are we on the same page then? I don't know what to say at this point. <laughs> You've got me. I don't know what to say at this point. I'm confused. See, we need the devil's advocate hat so you can take that on and off. So yeah. Take it off when you agree with me and put it on when okay, you Okay, so putting it back on. <laughs> I'll have to agree to disagree on that one, Kyle. Okay. Okay.